Kathy, take a deep breath with me. I don't. I don't. Come want on. God, Jesus, <laughs> Kathy. It show. I'm going to cut this out if you're going to be a big goddamn baby. But I am a big goddamn baby. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> this is. Why do you want me to be something I'm not? <laughs> the following show is for mature audiences only. For mature audiences only. For mature audiences only. For m- 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 mature audiences only. But I am a big goddamn baby. Listener discretion is advised. And if you don't like it. Why do you want me to be something I'm not? <laughs> please go fuck yourself. One, two, three, four. Do you feel your sex life is quite lame? But I am a big goddamn baby. Scared that your desires might be strange? Come and join the kinky world of play. I am a big guy, yeah, baby. <laughs> Yay! Hello and welcome to the Perverted Podcast, the show where we explore the adventures of the kinky lifestyle, sex, and the human mind, and big goddamn Kathy babies. What? I'm a baby, but there's no big goddamn Kathy babies. I'm Kathy, and that's Boogie, and he's being mean to me, and I'm being a big baby. <laughs> That's an awesome start of the show. Kathy, hi. How are you doing today? Hi, Boogie. I'm good. How are you? Well, today was an adventure because I got to go to the dentist today after a very long week of death, uh, Sunday or Monday or whatever day it was a few days back. Um, I just literally out of nowhere, my tooth just said, you're going to be infected now. And it went literally from zero to death in like an hour. And so uh, (sighs) I like start digging through stuff. And I've had, you know, homeless guy teeth, so many teeth ripped out of my head. My Michelle laughs every time she looks inside my mouth at the the Grand Canyon. That is the devastation that is, uh, you know, Boogie's mouth. Probably not as entertaining as your party that you went to that you gave me no fucking report. I texted you the next day and I said report and you didn't report. And then I called you later and then you're like, oh, I'm on this phone call thing. I can't call you back. But you never got back oh, to me. Oh, is that what you meant? I'm all report. This is either one of Boogie's weird butt dialing things or he meant to say something and meant something. You said something totally different. I had no idea what that word, what you wanted from me. Yeah, a report. That's, I thought it was pretty I, specific. I, no, we were, I report by talking on the podcast and telling you, but I really had no clue. And then the next day you called and I was super busy and I, and I couldn't, you know, pick up. <sighs> well, Kathy. How? <laughs> so how'd the party go? <laughs> Well, Mr. Butthurt, it was really good, and you're right. I would take my Michelle's sweet sadist party over a dentist visit any day, (laughs) even though she is the sweet sadist. It was really nice. It was at uh, WeHo 910, it's called. It's a new play space. Uh, They also hold munches there. It was very nice. Uh, Strange, not going to lie. This was my first... uh, real play party i had been to the same space to a, a pet play party but that wasn't really a play party that's more like a fun space and uh to see people you know naked or half naked being tied up was i thought wow i <laughs> i'm back it's so weird <laughs> what are these things i see you're like the little fucking mermaid getting out of the water for the first time. You're all, what are these? These things called feet <laughs> and a dildo exactly. up an ass. It is, it is a very strange place because it's, it's one largish room and maybe two tiny little side rooms off. So it's, it's difficult to have people conversing and socializing in the same room that people are playing. Right. And so I don't think they've figured out quite where to put seating and everything. So it's, it's but it's a, bravo to them. It was a good, a good first uh, play party time. And, and of course, my Michelle is awesome. Awesome. She was in fucking just nine inch heels and, and just 
rocking this total leather outfit wow. and being the social butterfly she is walking from person to person. Just thank you for being here. I love my Michelle. She's just the sweetest, sweetest person. Well, very good. So what types of things did you see? Did you touch any balls? Did you, you know? I did not. I, although I knew some people there, you know me, Boogie, I'm not huge into pickup play and there's right. absolutely, it, being not huge into pickup play, I'm, of course, not going to play right away uh, after a pandemic. And this is the first one. Frankly, half the night went by without anything happening. And my friend and I, who were there together, said, how much you want to bet that I'm, we're going to walk out of here and not see anyone play? And then sure enough, someone started getting tied up and someone else was crawling around on their hands and knees. I'm all, now that's more like it. That's what I came to see is men on their hands and knees being tied up and yeah, I really, I miss the whole femdom uh, energy. It was very nice being in that play space. That is a good report. I'm very happy once again that you got it. Now you're like kicking my ass. I'm like, shit. <laughs> I, I didn't do anything. I just went. And I, at first I was cursing the uh, formal wear requirement, mm. right? Because I'm like, oh, I don't want to get dressed and put on makeup and look all girly. But I did it anyway, even though my feet were killing me in my heels. When I got there, it was just really nice to see men in suits, men looking very nice. And a, a couple of young guys came in in jeans, sneakers, let uh, a uh, jean vest one of them was wearing. I'm all, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I turned to Michelle and I said, Would you look at that? And she's all, Oh, no, no, no. And she went over there. And she's all, Just me. either be naked, <laughs> you either strip off these fucking clothes, or you get the fuck out. <laughs> it was really funny, though. It was, it was good. It was nice. And I, I enjoyed the atmosphere. A lot of, well-dressed people, very um, very friendly, very happy to be out. It was generally a very positive party. Would have loved to play with somebody. But unfortunately, the only people I really knew there were the women. And um, I thought, well, this is good. This is another one of those things, Boogie, where I'm pushing myself to get out there, um, even though it may, I get very anxious being uh, being out there. Because, you know, as you know, I'm dealing with my own personal stuff right now. And and that gets in the way, but part of my goal is to keep pushing myself to do things that make me uncomfortable. Well, that's fantastic. And then, of course, next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend, you and I are going to be perusing the party at DomCon. So that's going to be pretty cool. I don't know how that's going to work out. It'll be a little weird, but I think we're going to have a good time with that. And then the following day, we'll be on the on the convention floor. So that'll be pretty cool. Yeah. I haven't been to DomCon in years, just years. It'd be interesting to see how it's changed. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. For those of you that are local, DomCon.com, D-O-M-C-O-N.com for registration. They still have some of the other red carpet things and parties and whatever available, but some of the stuff is sold out. So just go check the website if uh, you're going to be local and you want to go register, but I know you can still get in. It is a vaccine-only event, and we are looking forward to uh, heading into that. I did. I dug through my entire storage, and I found our little microphone that we record our half a peepee episodes on, and I, <laughs> I found it. So, yes, you and I will be able to like do little uh, little commentaries as we go around and uh, right. and see how that goes. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I am looking forward to the getting out. And I'm starting to see other parties pop up that I might be interested in that I'll talk to you about if you want to go check those out. But it's good. Oh, yeah. Getting out. We're doing it, Boogie. We're doing it. We are literally a step away from our junk being juggled. <laughs> oh my God. Your junk is being juggled. Juggled? No, your lips can be juggled too. My lips? My labia lips? Yeah. It'll sound okay, like... Well... My labia lips are not quite that organized. They're all over the place, so they wouldn't sound quite that nice. Is a zebra labia all covered with stripes? Seek our godly wisdom on some fucking advice. All right, we got. We're gonna get. We're gonna dispense some fucking advice, Boogie, right here. <laughs> dispense right now. like a discharge. Dis <laughs> no, like medicine. We're gonna dispense. Oh, medicine. good. Not like a yeasty discharge. <laughs> Because that's usually what it ends up sounding like. 
Yeah, we're going to spend some good old-fashioned advice here. We got a letter from Captain Awesome, our friend at the Gotham Press podcast. Gotham Press! Who wanted to know about uh, High Protocol. He says, some of the members from our local community, myself included, are wanting to set up a High Protocol dinner. As our community isn't terribly large, though, we don't have many local resources to pull from as far as experience is concerned. Would love the knowledge of you and your amazing fan base. Help us, perverted podcast. Well, Captain Awesome is awesome. Dare I say it. Captain Awesome is awesome. And I actually did uh, respond to this and then talk to him a little bit more in detail uh, about the what they're looking for and stuff like that. But in in general, I definitely think this is something that we can give some ideas. There's a million ideas that can go into a high protocol evening. And and really the first bit of advice is you get to set this up. This is your creativity. There's no like book, there's no one way to do a protocol event. You get to decide what those protocols are. Uh, is it going to be sexual? Are you going to have uh, the submissive serve all of the dominance or just your specific dominant? Um, are people going to kneel? Is there going to be a collaring ceremony in the beginning? I mean, literally, once you establish what those protocols are, the rest is kind of just like is is pretty easy. But I'll let you go. But uh, I have a billion ideas. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm glad that you said because yours are more about the ideas to do and mine's are uh, the things I have to say are just more um, general oriented. Okay? OK, so the first thing I would say is that uh, you're never going to please everybody. Mm. There's always going to be some some rules that you set down that some people might not like. I like how high protocol. I do. Uh, unfortunately, um, sometimes I'll go to events. Well, like like my Michelle's sweet sadist party. I didn't like the the fact that you dressing nice is one thing. Formal wear is another. Right. And so I didn't like it. Um, but the bottom line is that's her fucking party. She can decide whatever the fuck she wants it to be. And if you agree to go to the party, then you're doing it with your eyes wide open. I've seen too many people at parties or dinners or any kind of event that's high protocol complaining left and right because they didn't like that they had to do this and that. The people who are going need to be aware of what the rules are is my second thing because they have to consent to it. So if you are a bottom or a submissive who's going to a high protocol party, you need to know ahead of the time that you're going to be expected to wear nothing or you're going to be expected to serve people. So the rules, I believe, have to be laid out and spelled out specifically so that people who are attending know what they're getting into. Here, here. Because um, it is like a giant play party where everybody is a member. And uh, if you don't spell it out ahead of time, you're just going to have a bunch of unhappy people. And that's never what you want at a party or any event. In this case, what is it they're doing? A dinner? Right. Absolutely. Yes, they're doing a dinner. And I love that you put it in that. And I would even uh, add to it that it's almost like a community play scene. When you're doing yes. an event like this, it, because everyone is playing by a certain set of rules. And then, of course, there's the individual service that that occurs. But your basic outline of, quote unquote, high protocol evening would be usually the submissives are in service to the dominance. And Headley and I talked about this when we talked about the tea service, which is another type of protocol uh, event Mm -hmm. where the submissives are preparing uh, the menu. They're being of service to the dominance, whether the dominance are basically being celebrated just to sit there and relax and talk amongst themselves. And like Headley pointed out, like in some, uh, the submissives don't really talk too much unless they're spoken to. And it's a, the idea behind it is to give service to the dominance and allow them to kind of relax and be taken care of. Or it can be more ritual based where like in the beginning um, there's a collaring ceremony where all the submissives, I know master used to do this uh, at, at a lot of his functions in classes where all the submissives go up and he rang a bell and then they had a commitment, a small commitment ceremony. And then the dominance would call her their submissives. And then whatever those rules are 
after that are you in are you in service to every dominant that is there and then once again what are the rules behind that are the dominants allowed to touch you are they you know is there going to be some sort of kink involved is there some sort of sexuality all of those things like you said need to be established by the leaders of that event up front so that way everyone that is going into this this evening understands exactly what's going on. Right. Very, very true. I would also say that high protocol has an unfortunate uh, aura about it that some people think that there's an actual book out there that explains what high protocol is and nothing could be further from the truth. There is no one way of doing high protocol as you kind of alluded to earlier. You can do whatever the hell you want. It depends on the type of event you want to put forth. So you should never feel that you're doing something wrong in a high protocol party because you're choosing, I don't know, to do something that you've never seen done anywhere. Tin foil hats. I think aluminum that, foil hats. Yes. Can still, if, you want, if humiliation is yes. part of your high protocol, <laughs> then you goddamn rock your, <laughs> rock your swan aluminum foil hats if you want. Yeah. I mean, I know some people get very serious about their protocol and that's, that's fine. That's if you want that and the people that you surround yourself with want that. But there's also an element of fun that I unfortunately think when people think uh, that, that people see the term high protocol and think it's very stodgy and very uh, sedate kind of evening that you're going to have, you can make high protocol a lot of fun. I once attended a tea service that I haven't had that much fun in uh, since I have not had that much fun. Really, it was unlike any tea party I had ever been to, and it was fill. It was served by submissive women to dominant women. Mm. I I had never even heard of something like that, and they served the most delicious teas. These were women who really knew how to combine it well. So it wasn't to them; it meant something. And that may, means it meant something to the rest of us. And they were dressed in the all size, all shapes of women, dressed in the cutest, frilliest little outfits. And they were having a blast. And it made us have a good time. It was fun. It was high protocol. It was well done. I've never seen anything since then that, that kind of compared to that. And And it was all fun. It wasn't like I said, like when people think of high protocol, though, it just... Has to be so serious and quiet. I, it, it it can high protocol can be whatever you want it to be. I really wish someone would throw a party like that because I loved it so much. Well, here's let's let's go ahead and put together and here's some of the tips that I talked to Captain Awesome about. The first thing you decide is how many people are interested in this. You know, if you have a small community and it's only a few couples, then obviously you don't need to rent a place. You can just pick somebody's house. And have your evening there with people that you trust and have vetted to, to come to your place. I would always suggest start simple and then allow that to build. Start with a few protocols, a certain type of dress. The submissives will kneel here. Uh, service can go this way. Just maybe a few things and just kind of get your feet wet into that. Do you know what I mean? So instead yeah, of like yeah. having a – because sometimes people come up with these super giant list of protocols and you will address the person like this at this time and you will put the fork in your ass and then hand it to the dominant with your ass cheek. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's just like this long <laughs> list. And then it's not fun because people aren't trained in that list, you know. Pick a few things that help people get into the space of service and and – Pick a few things that allow people to feel the environment of being served, if that makes sense. Something that's very simple. Yeah. The next thing that you want to do is you need a lead submissive to kind of guide the other submissives. And then if you're going to, if it's going to be a dinner, who's going to make the dinner? Who's going to buy the stuff for the dinner? Just like any event that you're going to have, somebody needs to be in charge of rallying the troops and getting that meal on the table because it's a dinner. So now if it's a, you know, if you're going to do some barbecue and then maybe the dominants are going to cook the meat and then hand it to you and then the submissives prepare it and you know, you all that needs to be decided in advance, but there needs to be somebody 
that rallies all the submissives and gives everyone their basic jobs. So that way the meal gets on the table, the people are served. Uh, if you want to have the protocol that the dominants eat first and then after the dominants are fed and they're, they've moved on and are relaxing in lounge chairs or whatever, and then the submissives eat, fine, you can establish that. But somebody needs to be in charge of the menu. And just like I think we talked about with Headley in the tea service, you don't have to go nuts on the menu either. If you only have a few couples, you don't want a 20-course meal because you, if you only have three submissives, that's a lot of work to try to organize and get on the table. So just pick a simple yeah. menu, know what you're doing, and then go and enjoy and have fun with it. I agree. The The alpha submissive in, in a protocol, high protocol party like this is an absolute must. Yeah. Otherwise, especially if like a couple of the submissives are more little minded. <laughs> your, your high protocol. Now somebody's got to corral them. Your high protocol <laughs> meal is going to be like, I brought you Pop-Tarts, sir. <laughs> and some Cheetos, Cheetos, Cheetos. And like your plates covered with glitter. Somebody needs to round up the submissives depending <laughs> on, on the level of silliness. That certain no are. brats, no littles no. in a high protocol <laughs> <a> party. High, <laughs> well, it, you can have brats and littles, but they just need to understand that what their job is, and that yes. and that you can't you can't sabotage the evening. That if you're good, yes, you know what what I would love to have a designated brat, <laughs> like a uh, brat in a cage. Who is, <laughs> yes, that's exactly, and they get to be punished. As the evening goes on for their bratness. Right. And that's a fun thing to do because, you know, of course, within reason, someone's got to be watching. By the way, this is a good thing. I remember being in charge of, of events at uh, Threshold for a while, and we had a um, spanking booth. Mm. And every year, I always made sure to have somebody, a dominant in charge of that booth because you had to make sure that the submissives... Uh, lines weren't being crossed right, right so you had people literally paying to spank them and i made i couldn't find anybody this one year and i made the disastrous decision to put a submissive in charge <laughs> thinking that them saying oh yes yes and nodding their head yes kathy i will absolutely do that meant that they were going to follow the rules and and it led to a um Kind a, a boundary violation with one submissive that I will never forget that lesson. You need to put somebody in charge. So if there was a, a designated brat in a cage, someone would have to be in charge to make sure that when they're punished, their boundaries aren't crossed. Uh, that is very true. And that goes into the other thing. If, are you going to have some sort of entertainment or is there going to be cigar service, you know, or, you know, you, there's so many things, Kathy. That's the fun thing. Once you get your party kind of established and everyone feels comfortable and they've had a good time, the next party you can say, oh, well, what if we did this? And then you let your creativity, you go on Fet Life, you start getting into the groups, you ask people what they've done. Like Captain Awesome, he asked us, you know, we've, you know, had a lot of experience with these kinds of things. I mean, but it's just, it's so fun to do these types of dinners and special events, and they can be so special and so powerful. Not just fun, but also powerful and make you really feel a connection with your submissive in that service that it really is something that if you can, you should do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I like your idea of going slow. You don't have to go nuts the first time. Get Like you said, get your feet wet. Just have a good time that first time. And then you and your core group get together and you decide what worked, what didn't work. What do we want to change for next time? Next time it's a lobster in the ass. That's... And then oh. just and you and the food in the uh, the the cr you know anal human maracas in no and, but with and live lobsters the pussy no 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 that's it I give up I give up on you officially <laughs> now it's official it's seafood in the butt or in the in the vagina it's always some seafood in an orifice with you well just remember that I have one last thing to say Kathy. Make sure if you're going to have seafood in an orifice, 
you have an EpiPen with you because nothing worse than going into a hospital in anaphylactic shock with a lobster up your ass and That's no, no explanation. That, that'll ruin your, your high protocol that w- right there. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get a reputation. Don't go to that high protocol party. <laughs> that got them in the ER with a lobster up just, their ass. Just the claws are out going click, 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 click. Ow, <laughs> you're grossing The person's out. face is like the size of a hippo and it's all swollen. Like fucking, what was it from oh. Archer? Was it Pam? Was her name Pam? Oh, did you ever I, see Archer? I don't know Archer. No, I only ever saw the first episode. <laughs> well, I hope we gave some good advice to Captain Awesome and the rest of our listeners. I'm going to go talk to Path Girl now. Wiener Monkey's Seafood Buffet. Seafood Buffet. Big Monkey Wiener's got cat to thinking about dick all day. Perverted podcast listener segue. Path girl. Path girl. Wham! to ruin that for me. It's a wham, Path girl. Little jitterbug. How you doing? I'm doing good, Boogie. How you doing? Oh, just uh, magical as usual. It's uh, very exciting to talk to you. I uh, I love yes. hearing about your shenanigans and discoveries, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure, as do the Perverted Podcast listeners. But today is uh, is almost a moment of pride for me to have this discussion <laughs> with you. And I don't want to seem... Because it's not necessarily the most positive my point in this whole thing but first there is a glorious thing that we want to talk about which is this magical uh, really good play scene that you had Uh so why don't you take us through that and then we'll get to talking about the different points and stuff about that because so you had a good ass beaten go So uh, about two weeks ago, I went to my local dungeon. Um, back when COVID started every- opening everything up, I joined up with a local walking munch, and I met uh, a bunch of great kinky people. We call ourselves our little kinky tribe. So I've been playing regularly with this top. Uh, he goes by Doc Fairlane. So uh, I was scheduled to have knee surgery the following Monday after that event. So I was like, I need, I need a good ass beating. So when we get into the dungeon, <laughs> and he's like what do you want to do? And I'm like, I need to be pushed. And he's like, okay. So we start going through our mutual, uh, toys that we have. We both have dragon tails. So we started kind of lining up all the toys we want. And then it was just like, we want to try cane also. And he's like, okay, we'll see if we can get to it. So straps me to the cross and gets, starts giving me a good warm up. And somewhere probably about 20 minutes into the scene. Um, well, never mind the fact that the comical, part of the scene is my bad knee is killing me so every once in a while i kind of have to lean over my shoulder and go shift so i can move my leg because i could just see him aiming at me with a flogger or something and like he goes to hit me and he hits me in the wrong spot so i was just like shift yeah comical oh my god about 20 (laughs) elderly adapting (laughs) we're falling apart path girl (laughs) you're not even that old and you're falling apart Hey, but I also took on a two-ton car and wore it one. So this is like surgery number seven or so after this damn accident. Jesus Christ. Well, we'll talk about the yeah. surgery afterwards. Let's yeah. get to your show. Yeah. So I get to about 20 minutes to the scene, and I hadn't played on this side of the dungeon before. I've played on the cross on the other side of the dungeon. You couldn't hear the music that well. This one, you could really hear the music. And music is really important to me when I bottom because, like, if the pain starts getting away from me, I could kind of focus on the music or if I need to push through something to get through a hard spot and then get to a, a better side, I can concentrate in the music. And I don't know if it was just the combination of just the hearing the music and he was flogging me at the time. And I just started just, I had a lot of stress in my life besides my knee surgery. I had a lot of stuff going on in my personal life and a lot of just pent up emotion. And I just started melting into that cross and it just like I just started to like really softly cry and it was just absolutely amazing to just people say they let go of stuff but I think in kink you could truly let go because not only you're letting go in the physical that you're putting control into someone else's hands and they're giving the responsibility away of you're in control of my body right now but then just the emotional letting go of 
letting all that stress go, letting all that pent up anger and frustration just melt, literally just melting into that cross. It was absolutely amazing. Um, the only, the only downside to it was after I got, I, I had to let my top know, I mean, we've played two or three times before, but I started, when I started crying, I kind of like, he, he leans in every once in a while and presses his body against mine to check on me. And I had to like, just whisper to him, these are good tears. He's like, okay, just checking. But so like 10 minutes later, I calm down and I, he starts going a little bit harder. And then of course my stupid dysautonomia blood pressure condition starts kicking up and I'm getting dizzy and I'm like, doc, <laughs> doc, <laughs> take me down, please, doc. I didn't want to say for it, but I was just like, doc, take me down. So he took me down and luckily there's a couch right there. So he plopped me on the couch in my aftercare blanket and gave me nice cuddles and water and soft words. And it was, it was a really good scene and I, that I really needed. That is amazing. Uh, and from talking to you in the past uh, few weeks, I know you've been under a lot of pressure and stress. And then, of course, with, with your knee and knowing that you're going to have to have another surgery, that is definitely a drag because you don't know how that's going to turn out. You did have the surgery, by the way, yeah. and that did work out pretty well. You're up and around pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was arthroscopic, so I was up on it same day. And the doctor's like, just use crutches for the day. And uh, I get my stitches out tomorrow. Everything looks great. So uh, the pain that I had pre-op is gone. Just a little stiffness left over, but that's to be expected. So I'm up and kinking on it again. So, All right, good. So that's a that's a good report. I wanted to touch in on, on that. You are, you are able to move, and that means more ass beatings <laughs> to come in the future. So a cathartic scene. So were you expecting a cathartic scene? I know you asked to be pushed but were you no asking to yeah, be pushed no. because you wanted catharsis no i was asking to be pushed because part of it also is my my last two partners even though they one we started out kinky and he wound up going vanilla and the other guy was kinky but wound up being an alcoholic so i couldn't do kink with him i lost a lot of my pain tolerance so i you know at, at, the, at the point the highest point of my bottoming slash submitting I was getting caned regularly and was loving it and it's just like I want to get back there so I wanted him to push me a bit not only to get me back to my up my pain tolerance so I could work toward those canes but you know also for the shock factor as a healthcare professional going in on you know that following Monday morning in that little OR gown and having him gasp at all the little bruises <laughs> I had on my ass <laughs> you're such a pig that's <laughs> so cool though they're just literally throwing nice pre-op. They're literally just throwing domestic abuse hotline numbers at you, <laughs> drawing it on your arm with a sharpie while you're unconscious. It was nice sitting while I was waiting in pre-op and kind of squirming around on my bruises. It's very nice and comforting. Did they see the bruises? No, actually, I well, I didn't get any remarks because, uh, like, when I came out of the surgery, I only had one nurse with me that was kind of checking on me, and she was just basically like, "Are you okay? Fine." And she was. It was the end of the day, so I think she was more interested in like going home than like saying it. But nobody said anything to me, so I don't know if they saw him or not. <laughs> no sideways looks. No like. Mm -hmm. No, or, or maybe because she threw me out so quick, maybe because she saw them. I don't know. <laughs> maybe she's like, "You're a lost cause." <laughs> it's a shame. It's a uh, shame you're all proud. That's very funny. That's very, very funny. And very wonderful that you can be at a place in your life where that doesn't endanger your job or your whatever. And and sometimes even that can spur a conversation. Yeah. And and you're somebody that's out enough that you're, you could have that conversation. So it is all in fun. But, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but it did crack me up when you you did say that. That was amazing. Well, I'm even out to my OBGYN because like, you know, I, I told him years ago when I was Polly and I had like the, the, the two husbands that were like, how's the husband? How's the other husband? And he'd always bring in uh, a student with him from one of the local universities. And you see the student's eyes go wide. And then like he'd see the bruises on my butt every once in a while. And he's like, so it looks like somebody had a fun Saturday night. I'm like, he'd ask me every once in a while, what's that from? What's that from? And I'm like, oh, that's a dragon tail. That's a flogger. And like the students, their eyes would always go wide. I swear he does it just to like kind of like get them going get at them yeah but well, i guess I mean, it's good education in a sense that is i i just wish we had more doctors like that that you could have that open conversation with yeah. and not just that but i think it's important for those students to see the doctor not automatically just assume that you're some sort of broken wreck that's being beaten yeah but it connects hey this is something people do it's important right. to ask 
you know, it's a, is this anything I should know about or was this for fun, you know? Uh-huh. And I think that's important. So uh, in, in general, I love those stories. That's great. But the thing that I really wanted to get to that I was itching to get to through this amazing scene with this partner. And this is a partner that is not your boyfriend. Right. Right. This, this is very not somebody. Very good friends. Yeah. This is not somebody you're in a long term relationship with. This is not. Nope. Are, you, are you even sexual with this person? No, no. Actually, um, he's got a long-term live-in like, girlfriend, partner. They're pretty much married, in my opinion. So um, when we even first started negotiating, like one of the things he told me is, I'm never going to touch any of your, quote, lady bits. So um, the only thing we have negotiated for is he kisses me on the mouth, but there's no tongue. And it's he's even understood that I'm still looking for a long-term boyfriend slash dominant so if that ever had to be taken off the table because the guy i was dating was not comfortable with he said that can easily go away so yeah we're completely completely non-sexual okay this is good that's good foundation for the listeners the point that i think is amazing is that for a very long time up until maybe even this play partner you have been very adamant that you would never be able to go to any significant level in play with somebody that you weren't in a serious relationship with. Am I correct? Yep. I screamed it for years. (laughs) And I heard you scream it many, many times over the last couple years. Yeah. So what I want to focus on, if we can for the listeners, because I think it's important, is the journey away from the mentality as you look for a more serious relationship, something that's more long-term that meets your needs, all of the things we all have our, you know, list of what we want in, in a long-term relationship for those of us that are looking for a long-term relationship. What was the process a way to try to open up to a non-relationship person as a play partner? Well, previously, I never really considered myself bedroom only because the guys I dated, we did go out in the kink scene. We did go to dungeons. Bedroom only for me was basically only like sex in the bedroom and stuff. But like I did stuff outside the bedroom where I brought them coffee and whatever. But the couple of times that I have played in a dungeon with a friend or someone that I met that night and I saw them do an interesting scene and we negotiated, there was always something missing. And I probably did about three scenes with three different guys And every time I did it, there was always something missing. And I just included it to, oh, it's because you're not in a relationship with that guy. That's why it sucked. So then this guy over here starts talking to me about there's got to be more to it than that. So we kind of dissected through all the three scenes that I did. And the one thing you noted to me was the aftercare sucked. And I was like, but I got aftercare. Mm. I mean, the first scene... The guy I talked to, when we go negotiate, he's like, I don't do aftercare. Who's going to do your aftercare? And I was on a date with a guy. I've seen him maybe two times. And I'm like, oh, he'll do my aftercare. (laughs) But, like, we went to the aftercare room, and I just sat in his lap. He didn't do anything. We just kind of sat there and just, you know, did nothing. And then I was like, all right. And even another guy that I played with, like, he didn't do any aftercare either. It was kind of like, even though we sat there a few, few minutes and talked, it wasn't the aftercare I needed. It was not appropriate aftercare for me. So that's the realization you made me come to. And I was like, there was, there was also a realization that even though I knew there was a difference between bottoming and submitting, I love to submit. I love to serve my dominance, but I never thought I could bottom to somebody because I thought that I would have feelings for a person. And then I'd be in trouble with crap. I really like this person more than I should, or I can't like this person because they're attached to somebody else. There's going to be a problem. So when I started playing with Doc, we talked about that for a little bit. And from start to finish, it was pretty much the perfect scene. And what impressed me the most was we were doing a play party at his house. And he went back to his partner and said, hey, I'm going to go do a scene of Path Girl. We're doing A, B, and C. And the way his house is constructed, he left, you know, we were playing in the garage. He had a little setup there and the garage door was open. So anybody could walk in and look. And he's like, are you, and, and even his, his girlfriend's like, are you okay with me coming in and looking? I'm like, absolutely. I'm playing with your boyfriend. Sure. 
Um, but even after the scene was over, noticed I was starting to get a little spacey, took me down from the chains I was on, brought me to a couch, wrapped me in a blanket. His girlfriend bought me a bottle of water and we sat there for about 10 minutes and, you know, whispering, you did good. And, you know, you were a good girl. And, you know, and just, it was from start to finish the perfect scene. And that's when I was kind of like, I can do this. I can bottom. And even, you know, even days later, I was like, crap, now I'm going to get attached. I'm like, no, he's a good friend. I really care about him. I really love him. I love his, his, his partner, but it's not the love of being in a long-term relationship. It's not love of a boyfriend or a husband or what have you. So it's a different kind of love. So now yeah. another another thing that you had talked about that I remember was the after aftercare, not just the aftercare uh, after the play scene, but the potential mm-hmm. for a drop the next day because you're playing with somebody that you're not in a relationship with. Where if you're in a relationships with somebody, you would hope that you know you're going to be spending time with them you know, after the play scene the next day and then going forward. So that was a big concern of yours that you would feel abandoned after you played with the bottom. How was that in this situation? Oh, that was, again, absolutely perfect. The next day he checked on me. He's like, make sure you're hydrated so the drop monster doesn't get you. And it wasn't like we played a scene and he forgot about me. We regularly talk two, three times a week, even if it's just, hey, how you doing? How's work? you know, Hey, we got an upcoming event, blah, blah, blah. You know? And, and I talk with his partner too, where, where I'm talking with her, Hey honey, how's your work day? Whatever. So it's, it's become an absolutely wonderful friendship, but at the same time, a really good top to play with from start to finish, who really understands all the inner workings of a complete scene. And then after the scene, making sure that person's taken care of, not only like after the scene, but at least for days to come afterwards to make sure nothing, nothing goes wrong. First off, congratulations Thank you. on finding a, a quality top Yes, that understands what you need and is actually into making sure that you have what you need. I think that's an incredibly special thing. I wish it wasn't so special. I wish it was just the norm, but it's kind of not. Kind of like finding the perfect relationship is not the norm. And it's actually kind of rare. Right. But in this case, you won a mini lottery. By at least finding somebody that while you were looking for the more serious relationship with sexuality and commitment and the things that you're looking for in a relationship, Mm -hmm. you can at least still play. Yes. You can at least still find some sort of connection with yourself, challenging yourself physically, connecting with another person, uh, maybe not as much of the DS but there's still a certain power exchange that absolutely goes on, especially if you can go a little bit deeper with somebody. Now, let me ask a question. Do you find that this takes off a little bit of the pressure, maybe the negative pressure and urgency in the back of your mind while you're looking for a more serious relationship? does and it's just just to say also it's not just with me he's doing this i've seen him do several scenes with several other women and their needs are being met note also where it may be like some people don't like aftercare some people like just get me a bottle of water and let's talk and whatever he's really a true gentleman when it comes to the scene but as far as blowing off some steam it definitely does and especially with my self-esteem where it seems like going back out into the dating world now, it seems to be harder lately. I don't know if that's because it's post-COVID or because it's been, you know, three months since I've been in a serious relationship. And it's somebody who truly appreciates me as a person, but also says, hey, you look sexy tonight. How you doing? So it's it, even though it's a guy and he appreciates me as a person and as a sexy human being, it's, it's nice to have that little bit of... Um, not gratification, validation. but validation. Exactly. That it's just, and, and it definitely getting those little cathartic scenes or even just painful scenes where it's just two, three days later, it's like, you know, I'm still rubbing around on those bruises going, oh, that was a really good night. You know, <laughs> it definitely takes the edge off. So, so once again, continuing on with the point, finding that really and of course i have a lot of opinions about this i've shared some of them with you they are not necessarily positive for uh humanity but my belief is 
finding a legitimate long-term relationship with somebody that's a good communicator, kinky, has things in common with you, has things that inspire you, interests that they have that are interesting to you to learn new things about yourself. That type of relationship is very hard to find. Yes. It's very rare. At the best, uh, you connect with someone for a couple years and then some shit happens or something, you know, and then it goes. So to find that... I, I don't know. We'll call it our kink Disney relationship, you know, our prince or princess or non-binary charming um, uh, to find that is actually really, really difficult. And I see a lot of people as time goes on and especially as you start getting into your mid 30s and then early 40s, mid 40s, 50, you know, late 40s, late 40s. <laughs> all of a sudden, there's a lot of pressure. There's yes. a lot of pressure because there's sort of an ego in there that says, I deserve this. Where is this? I watched those goddamn Disney flicks and I added my own kink to it. My kink Disney should happen, <laughs> goddammit. Where is Kinky Prince Charming, damn it? <laughs> Where's Kink Charming, goddammit? <laughs> but you know what? There's no guarantees that it's coming this week or next week. Right. And it may never come. And at some point you have to decide, am I going to martyr my sexuality, martyr my kink, martyr who I am and hold out for this uh, kink charming? Or am I going to try to at least have some positive experiences in the meantime, that doesn't mean you you stop. It doesn't mean you give up hope. It doesn't mean you don't stop looking or bettering yourself to become more attractive, blah, 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 blah. It just means that you realize, hey, this search may take a while. Right. In the meantime, I should probably try to live my life and find a way that makes it work. And that's why I'm so proud of you for kind of pushing against that you had a really strong program and you were like nope this is blah 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 this is it it's only going to be in this serious relationship and then you challenge that in yourself and as a result this is a a positive benefit of that right well quite honestly i really do have you to thank boogie for that because you were the one that challenged me why do you think you're bedroom only and it's just you pushed you pushed me and I needed it because it was just all those years I'm like, no, I can't do kink without not unless I'm in love with a guy. I can't do kink unless when I'm in love with a guy. And then when we sat down and broke every scene I had done piece by piece, you're like, there I, I you maybe come to a realization I never had before was like, that's why it was the aftercare that sucks. So it's like, let's try one with good aftercare. And lo and behold, there you go. And one, um, my friend Kayla, who does another pod, kinky podcast, uh, when I talk with her one time, she's like, stop going to munches and sloshes and all these things to find a boyfriend. Go to make friends. Yes. And especially with me getting divorced, my divorce was final in February. I gave up a lot of my friends over the years when I got married. My friends were my ex-husband's friends. So now that I'm getting divorced, understandably, his friends are kind of more gravitating toward him. They don't hate me, but there's no reason for them to kind of interact with me anymore unless we were together. So I made a promise to myself that I'm never going to give up my friends again for anybody for not for a guy, not for a job, for anything. So I've been going out over the last, you know, seven, eight months making these kinky friends. We do vanilla things together as well, but building a foundation of kinky friends that I can hang out with and lunches and sloshes. And we talk about bullshit and we talk about kinky stuff and we talk about vanilla stuff and building that friendship back. And then along the way, King Charming may be strolling in as one of their friends or, oh, hey, you don't know my friend so-and-so. This is King Charming. Nice to meet you, Path Girl. And there you go. Absolutely. And I wish, I absolutely wish that for you. Uh, I think you're an amazing person. And of course, I wish King Charming to wrap a chain around your neck and drag you off your feet. 
Um, that's, how, that's how King can we Charming make it would a, do Can it. we make it a leather collar and leash? That'd be preferable. Okay, yeah. fine. Fucking diva. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But I think that another point that I want to make, and this is just an ugly kind of point about humanity. And I know when I see desperation, that's not a turn on to me. No. I am some, and I'm obviously much more nonconformist, free spirit, off the grid, fucking psycho guy. So I don't think I'm the same as the majority, but I do know that when you get in a room with somebody and you can literally, they walk in with their ticking clock sitting next to them (laughs) and they're saying, I don't have much time. You better punch these boxes right now and let's see if you're King Charming. And if you're not, I don't got time for this bullshit. Go, 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 go. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure that I I don't know about all the other men and women out there. But when I feel that clock and I Mm -hmm. feel that pressure, all of a sudden, I don't feel like you actually want me. I feel like you just want a thing and that I am possibly going to fill those holes. Right, right. And that makes me feel like shit, and I don't want to be a part of that. So when you have other play partners, and you, you're you kind of like able to just relax into meeting new people, making new friends, exploring the world around you, and it just becomes more authentic because then you meet people, and as you build that with them, it seems more like you care about the person that's going to enhance your life rather than just, I'm looking for King Charming. Right, right. And one of the things I work regularly with a kink friendly therapist, and she also used to work with my ex husband. My ex husband was somebody who would be on the dating apps and would get desperate because, like, he'd see me opening up my dating app and I'd have a hundred guys to choose from, and he's got like five. So the one that would respond, he would pounce on her and go, Oh, you like me. Let's go do stuff. And it's like, I had to teach myself not to be desperate. I had to, I mean, she also talked to me about settling. Like there is a difference between settling because you want to and settling because you need to. Like if you want to meet King Charming, but he's not a 10, but King Charming's a five and he's got an awesome personality. You know what? I may want somebody who may be more attractive, but I'd rather have a really amazing personality five than a 10 that's going to be like, oh, please don't open your mouth. It's just, you know, I'm balanced. I'm walking a fine line between I'm not a 10, but I'm not going to settle for any guy who walks to the door who basically shows an interest in me because I'm worth more than that. And in the meanwhile, building up those friendships and being able to play with the tops I'm playing with, and I'm even open to playing with one or two other tops in our group. We're kind of talking back and forth, you know, very preliminary stuff, but it's, it's nice to not have to settle. It'd be a difference if I wanted to settle. And I've even been talking to some of the vanilla guys on my dating apps going, look, I have this amazing non-sexual relationship with this guy and I want to keep it. And if you're not okay with that, I'm sorry, you're not for me. Right. So whoever I eventually hopefully settle down with, preferably in the kink community, but at least has would have to have a healthy understanding of, look, if you don't believe me, come to the dungeon one night or come to a play party at this house one night and I will show you what I do with him and then we can kind of you go see that you know so much of the vanilla community doesn't believe doesn't know that like 75% of the stuff that goes on in the dungeon is not sexual they just automatically equate kink and sex and I wish that the vanilla world would understand that that's not the case so but it's nice not having to settle down well, I think it's a, a matter, once again, of us getting out there and you showing bruises to doctors and, and us yeah. doing a show. And I think we're doing the best we can to show that to the world. But in that bigger picture, you having your needs met and taking away some of that pressure, I think, is literally gives you some of your life back. Yes. And it, gives me, it gives me my it gives me my happiness back because it's not I go out to a Munster slosh and oh crap I didn't meet a guy tonight. 
I go to a, a dungeon play party now and I had an awesome scene with, with Doc or I had an awesome night with my kinky friends. And it's just, it makes me happy. And that happiness fills up the times that I feel like a piece of crap. Like, why haven't I, you know, why can't I find somebody or, you know, this guy ghosted me or whatever. So it, 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 it definitely fills a lot of the needs that I have. And I plan on keeping that, you know, new guy in my life or not. It's getting, it's, it's staying in my life. Well, God damn it, Path Girl. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm I'm almost positive that our listeners are, are rooting for you, happy that your knee is better, and really just happy that you found a good partner. And that is fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And thank you, Boogie, for pushing me to actually dissect apart that part of my life. And I really do owe you a lot for that because you gave me a huge gift. Blowjob? Considering, considering <laughs> you're, you know, okay. Drive down, drive down my way. We'll talk, you know. I'll just drive 3,000 get- miles. That better be a goddamn good blowjob. <laughs> Yay! That is the end of show 324. Thank you to all of you who support us by listening to our show, pimping us out to your friends, tagging us on FetLife, or supporting us on Patreon.com forward slash Perverted Podcast. Speaking of which, I love you all of our Patreon supporters. It's because of people like you that Boogie has a hot, sweaty metal box to go do <laughs> jingles in. This week, if it yes. weren't for that... <laughs> How is that hot metal sweaty box, it's, by the way? Kathy, I was more thinking about your hot metal sweaty box, but... Uh, oh, my ow, God. Ow, I walked into that one. I sure no did. Well, I, I do. I have to go in there, literally. I have until like 9.30 you know, a.m. when it gets starts getting too hot. So I have to go in if I'm going to do a jingle or some editing or whatever. But most of what I do now in the hot season is in the library. Until that time, that life comes together <laughs> and we get indoors with a, with, ooh, there's a chick across the street right now. I'm looking through the window, a homeowner, and she just bent over and like her sweats just pulled over her ass and like showed Buggy. some crack. I'm literally just staring Buggy. straight, like a hundred yards away. Buggy. I need to get we laid. We are in what? the middle of a podcast, Mister Man. But, but she just literally just gave me some no some ass Hold from like a hundred yard ass shot away from that ass. And I am literally, I am, I am show. literally putting my naked chest up to the glass on the window just to let her know oh that God. I approve. Thank you, strange You're lady. Just sitting there all floppy in a library chair. <laughs> Notice I just have my back to the people that are probably staring at me in the library. <laughs> As I'm like, I that's love a, you. That's what you should do. Thank you. Yes, Thank stop you. it. Oh, Thank my. you. That's it. I give up. Mm. If you'd like to reach out to us for any reason, drop us a line at pervertedpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach us through our FetLife profile entitled Perverted Podcast. Well, that is the end of our show, and I'm glad for some perviness to happen. Kathy, I'm really happy that you had a great time at a party. I'm getting kind of excited for the things coming up. Really excited to spend some time with you at DomCon and start getting back out there. Get some people and some interviews. Start kicking up the fucking pace a little bit. I'm excited, and we will see you guys next week for show 325. Just